This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, March 31st, the Great Chore Divide edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and person who thinks about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock for a living now. That's all I do. And mom to Naima, who is officially nine years old. Happy birthday, Naima. Happy birthday. (laughs) We live in Los Angeles. And I am Zach Rosen. I make podcasts, including The Best Advice Show, a very short little show featuring your best advice. And I live in Detroit with my family. My daughter Noah is four and my son Ami is one. Well, before we tell you what's on tap for today's show, we actually have a little announcement to share with you. Mom and Dad are Fighting is going to be releasing episodes twice a week on Monday and Thursday. Each show will be just under a half hour and will hopefully fit into your busy schedules a little bit better. We're hoping these are perfect for your quick power walk while you're making dinner or driving carpool. And don't you worry, we're not getting rid of any of your favorite segments. We'll still do triumphs and fails and recommendations and listener questions. There'll even still be a plus segment every Thursday for Slate Plus subscribers. You can say this is the audio equivalent of new look, same great taste. So today on the show, we're going to be catching up with each other in a round of triumphs and fails and tackling an age-old question. How much should kids be pitching in around the house? Should they be earning an allowance for doing chores? Do chore expectations differ between neurotypical and neuroatypical kids? Find out what we think. Then on Slate Plus, we'll be talking about opting your kids out of state testing. It's something I recently did, and the parents at my school think I'm nuts. So here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. I always performed poorly on standardized tests, and honestly, I'm 38. I still carry that shame with me. Mm. And my parents were never, they never, you know, put any stock in how I did on standardized tests and, you know, connected it to, to my value as a person or as a learner, but... I don't know, just for there to be an alternate consciousness about how we think about tests. And uh, I, I think it's I think it's really great. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening Because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. 
Soul to Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul to Story are available now. Okay, let's move on to some parenting stories. Jamila, what's going on in your world this week? Well, um, as I said, I don't do anything but think about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Aside from celebrating Naima's birthday, happy birthday, Naima! We're recording this on your actual birthday. Um, So, I don't know. I'm not going to call this a triumph. I get, you know, I'll claim it as a triumph, but it's also a little bit of a context setting that I want to do for mom and dad or fighting listeners who find their way to my Instagram page because I don't have like any rules posted up anywhere there. Like, you wouldn't know this, but like, I delete dissenting comments on my Instagram page. And yesterday I made a post about the slap. You know, and I commented, like, if you disagree with me, you can go back to Facebook. Right. (laughs) This is not that. And so I want to explain why. And then I had I felt bad because, you know, one, usually the comments that I'm deleting are very misogynistic and racist and directly insulting to me. So I'm not just deleting people who don't agree with me. Usually there's a reason that I have to delete your comment. But with this, I was like, I don't want to facilitate a debate. You know, I just want to celebrate what happened that I felt was a triumph that black women needed to feel, which was somebody defended one of us in public for once. And and that's all I had for it. But I do want to say, because I saw that a mom and dad listener had posted a thoughtful comment, which she disagreed with me. And, you know, she's like, I I hope you're not going to delete this. You know, I'm a fan of the show and I'm a little disappointed. And, you know, you know, you know how white women get. (laughs) online but it was also a completely reasonable comment right like but I want her and anyone else who's like she's deleting comments like what's up with that to just kind of understand the context of like for me and for most visible you know whether that's highly visible or low visibility like me but for visible black women online the amount of vitriol and bad faith engagement and just Mm -hmm. pushback that you get to your every thought you know, can be overwhelming. And so my Instagram page is a very sporadically updated corner of the internet in which I get to get some feelings off without having to deal with the debates. The, you know what I mean? Like with having to engage with dissent. It's just kind of like, here's like almost like a little online diary with an occasional picture yeah. of me or my kid. And so, you know, didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, um, I, I just need that space to kind of be clear and I just wanted black girls to high five about the good part and I know that that was an incredibly complicated incident and there's so much more to it than just simply saying black girls got defended we win you know everyone else can just go but that was the feeling that I wanted to lean into at first you know like that was the thing that really I, I think for a lot of sisters was just like the whoa I've never seen anything like this happen before you know in defense of one of us Mm-hmm. And so my triumph is, you know, I kept I'm keeping that space the way that I need it to be so I can have a little fun on the Internet, too. Um, but I do hope that listeners understand, you know, you are absolutely welcome there. You know, if I tweet out, I, I don't do a lot of Twitter anymore, but, you know, I guess that there's a place for discourse and debate. It's there, but not on my Instagram page. Fair enough. Good to know. I actually thought you were clear about that on the post. <laughs> I mean, I warned people, like, I'm going yeah. to delete your comments. Yeah. Look at this one video of my daughter dancing for New Editions <laughs> Manager. Right? Just come take that in. Video. That yeah. was a really good video. I'm, I was really happy about that moment. But yeah, that's my, my you know, fail-feeling triumph for the week. Zach, what's going on with you guys? 
spring is i mean it's detroit so spring isn't actually here it's <laughs> freezing but it's like theoretically here and with it comes t-ball oh so baseball is my first love I have some of like the most evocative, nostalgic feelings when I think about my childhood and baseball. My dad was my coach. I just Aww. loved it so much. Like I can, I can smell the gravel just talking about it right now. And I asked Noah if she's interested in joining a t-ball league the other day, and she was really excited about that notion. And so this past weekend, we went to the sporting goods store. Got her a glove. We got a tee. We got some balls. First, I was going to get her like a proper metal tee ball bat. But then I remembered that that's a terrible idea. (laughs) Terrible Um, idea. (laughs) We're not getting metal bats in this house, (laughs) darling. I think she'd be responsible wielding it. But still, I got a soft bat, a bunch of soft balls. And since that purchase, which was Saturday, this past weekend, we have been just going to the basement like for a good amount of time every day and just practicing t-ball she's really into it and i'm trying to be like very cool and like you know adamant about like it being about fun and not about like her form and stuff like at the plate but i am like trying to teach her some fundamentals and so it's a fine line my dad always well not always but that's actually a story for another day but most of the time (laughs) He was really great at at striking the balance of coach father, um, and I aspire to do the same. I'm thinking about signing up to be a coach because the league is looking for coaches. This is like one of those like cliche parenting things that I find myself in the middle of now. Like, wow, I am introducing my daughter to this thing that I hold so close to my heart, and it's it's happening. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Is this your first foray into like true sports with her? Yeah, we went to soccer last summer, but she was three and not particularly interested. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, this is the first real foray. And I mean, practice hasn't even started yet. It doesn't start until May, but we're just practicing for practice right now. Teddy is very into baseball, which makes me happy. I played softball and... um I have visions of just like throwing the ball with my dad in, in mm-hmm. like, even after I stopped playing, just like that was the thing we did studying for things or talking about things. And that's like what I want. And I feel the same pressure you feel is like, I want him to like this and I want to go do this, but I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's a really good way I'm finding to bond where you have this kind of other thing. You don't have to just be like having a conversation, but it's just, you know, the conversation comes as a byproduct of the activity. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like that field of dreams moment. You want to have a catch, Dad. And even just like driving to things and warming up, like mm. those, I think, are opportunities for, like you said, that bonding. Well, that's awesome. I can't, mm-hmm. I cannot wait to hear more. Yeah. What about you, Elizabeth? Well, we uh, had like our spring break. And so we um, took the opportunity to travel. I took the boys. Jeff had other stuff related to work and so we headed to dc and from there went to williamsburg and then kind of reunited with jeff in atlanta for a wedding that was awesome and the kids were so great but um you saw the late dan qua i did (laughs) we we saw dan rest in peace they uh, actually came in and met me where i was with the kids which was great because sometimes with three children it's like how can we get there and he said let's meet in front of the the lincoln memorial and i was like okay great and then we texted like oh i'm getting there i'm walking there 
Um, and I was thinking as I approached, and there's just like hundreds of spring break, like, how the heck am I going to find him? And then there he is with his family sitting like in the most stand place, like <laughs> talking. I was able to find him right away. Um, but the thing we were going to do was to go see the cherry blossoms were like probably three or four days before peak. And I wanted to take the kids down to the Tidal Basin to see to see them and take some pictures. And so we all went down together and my kids were a hot ass mess. Um, They were like picking up sticks and whipping each other with them, you know, and it's like you're meeting up with this person that you've been on this parenting podcast with. You would like your children to behave. In their defense, they had just sat through a brunch for my father's 70th birthday and were angels. And then I we left that to come do this. And his kids are so great. They We've known them for a while, and they were running around with my kids. But Teddy, in particular, was, like, picking up sticks and trying to hit people with them. And I was joking that I'm going to have a shirt made that says, no sticks, because I yell that, like, 90% of the time I'm with them, the kids. I'm like, oh, how fun. We're going to play with sticks. Like, this is what I want, playing with nature. And then they all start beating each other with them. So... <laughs> Teddy, though, I'm like, I cannot quite get him to be, like, under control. Like, he's just angry. Every time I take a stick, I'm like, we're all trying to get him to, like, throw the sticks in the water. He just wants to do this. And he finds this kind of, like, baby doll-sized thick piece of driftwood. And this one is perfectly dry. And he is like, I'm never letting go of this. And I just thought, like, okay, if you don't hit anyone with this and you carry it the rest of the day, you can have it. And he was like, really? And I was like, yes. Yes, but if you hit anyone with it, I'm throwing it in the river. <laughs> Stakes are high. Yeah, nobody else is to carry this for you. And he's like, okay. He eventually names it Loggy. And he carries Loggy over oh. four miles. Dan, of course, had other important things to do. And he has children that have things to do. So we walked with them for a while and then parted ways. And we went to the, um, you know, one of the Smithsonian's of innovation or industry or whatever in this beautiful building that, even though I had lived there, I had never been. It's like the building has always been closed, but you cannot take a giant log. They they do not permit that. So, we, so Teddy went out and hid it in a bush. And I thought for sure someone was going to come because here's my kid like rooting through a bush looking for the perfect spot because we don't want anyone to take loggy. And then he went back after and got it and carried it the rest of the way home. And wouldn't you know, I put it in our bags and I flew it back to Atlanta and then I left it in Atlanta. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I mean, I left it at my parents' house, so it's fine. It will eventually make its way here. How did he take it? Oh, he's okay because it's with, Gra- like, we've called Grandpa to check on it. Okay, that's But good. he was like, okay, well, Grandpa's going to bring it when he comes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, the next time Grandpa comes out, he'll bring your piece of driftwood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if he's, rem- you know, there's always the chance he's just forgotten about it and Don't we throw worry. it away in Atlanta. But for now, we have survived the chaos with a piece of driftwood. Had you met Dan Qua in real life before? Oh yeah, so he and I knew each other um, mm. in in the Netherlands before I even came on the show. I met him when he was living in Delft. Hmm. Someone who met him while he was there writing said, you should meet this American that's here, and it was me. Jamila, did you work out that you're going to get to see him in LA? He did tell me that he was coming out here at some point. So I need to check in with Dan because hopefully we're having our uh, next reunion too. We've only, we've met in person maybe two or three times. Well, that'll be fun. And of course, um, I think that the big draw though was that Lyra really wants to meet Naima. That was like what we kept hearing. about. She's like, I have to meet Naima. <laughs> I'm so excited about them getting to meet. <sighs> well... I think that's a pretty good roundup of our week. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to get into today's listener question. 
talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. We're back and ready to hear today's question, which is being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, can you please recommend age-appropriate chores for my two kids? Our 13-year-old daughter is neurotypical, mature, and responsible. Our 11-year-old son is diagnosed with ADHD slash ODD and dyslexia, so there are particular challenges with him. Because of this, we haven't pushed either into doing chores. However, it's become clear that housework really needs to be divided up more appropriately amongst all four members of our household. Plus, they both need to learn how to keep a house clean. The children are also interested in doing some extra things for allowance, which they do not currently earn. We are also looking for a kid-friendly tween-slash-teen app that we can use to manage the chores and keep track of the work done, their earnings, and spending. Thanks. Chore chaos. So I actually do know of an app because my daughter at nine um, wants very badly to use it. We did say now that she's officially nine that she could start having like paid chores. So I will just be paying for the labor of her attempting, even though I'm going to probably have to do most of those chores over myself. But for 13 and 11 what are their skill sets, right? Like, are these tidy kids, you know, like, because if they're not, you know, then cleaning chores may be on one hand, something you need to get them in the habit of doing for their own safety and survival, but not necessarily the things you want the household relying upon them to do, right? So do you have a dishwasher? Can they load the dishwasher and scrub the pots? You know, I think that's a very good age appropriate um, chore. Cleaning up, you know, maybe putting food away. That's something you have to teach them to do. You know, you can't take for granted that they'll know how, you know, which Tupperware and, you know, where to put things in the refrigerator. But like you've made dinner. So there's salad dressing and ketchup and some leftovers, you know, on the stove. They can put that stuff away and give the stove a good wipe down. At 11 and 13, they should be primarily responsible for their own tidiness. You may go in their room with a vacuum and a mop and a broom, depending on what kind of floors you have, every couple weeks yourself, obviously. But like maybe it's making up the bed each day, you know, or changing the sheets once a week, Um, you know, maybe sorting clothes into piles. That's something that they can do. I wouldn't recommend having them fold clothes and put them away, but they can go through the clothes and identify their own, you know, and at least separate them from everyone else's and they can put those away. Keeping their own stuff organized is a big deal. You know, like making sure everything is in the book bag before school, particularly, you know, that your 11-year-old has some challenges that might make that difficult, you know. So, He may require some assistance in doing this, but I think it's a way to help him kind of learn to be responsible for certain things. You know, there may be visual cues all over the house. You could do post-it notes. You can have signs, you know, like checklists. Did you grab your homework folder, water bottle, lunch bag, you know, but like making sure that those things are accounted for. In terms of the other 
things that maybe they don't do super well, like mopping or sweeping or ironing, it's time to teach them to do those things. So it may not always be in the context of these are your chores and you are doing this, but as you are doing it, they too can be a part of it. You can say, okay, everyone get up. We're learning how to mop today, you know, and like maybe every other time you mop, they participate in that. Um, and then as far as an app, I have heard good things about green light. I know someone with a slightly older child that uses it. It's connected hmm. to a debit card where you can have a chore list. You can have allowance come in automatically or based on, you know, whether they've done their chores or not. And they've got some financial literacy information on there, which is good for kids, too. So you can talk to them about budgeting and, you know, taking um, responsibility for the money that they've made. What do you guys think? I'm thinking back to when I was that age. And by that time, 11, 12, 13, I was responsible at the very least for putting my clothes away. I didn't do my laundry quite yet, but putting clothes away and mowing the lawn. Those were big ones that I can recall. But yeah, I think that this age is totally old enough to start taking on some of these tasks and to start learning some of these tasks. And I surveyed my uh, my sister this weekend. She has a 8 and 12-year-old. And they are expected to set the table and clear every day. And that's just like the expectation. Um, what, I th- what I found was interesting talking to my sister was that they don't tie allowance to the chores themselves though yeah i'm really interested in this because it seems counterintuitive and i'd love to hear you talk more about that elizabeth but like they have set that expectation and their kids do it so their kids do what they're expected to do and they also get allowance kind of in parallel to that but but they're not one in the same Mm -hmm. and uh i think that's really interesting i know you know speaking just to to my own experience with my oldest who's four we struggle with just trying to get her to clean up after she um, plays with stuff. But that's like, I think that's a good way to start. Like at the very least, like if you make a mess, clean that shit up. Um, And then I think a lot of stuff might could stem from that, but you're past that um, listener. I know you're, you're, um, you know, well into tween years. So it's a, it's a different thing. So talk about that, Elizabeth, this, this notion of, you know, chores and allowance and not intertwining the two. I think we just fundamentally decided that there are household tasks that have to get done. You don't get paid for those. Like, no one is paying me to do these things. Uh, No one pays dad to do these things, right? These are things that we need to make our house function. And then we also want to give the kids allowance so that they can start having some financial literacy and paying for them. And that those are two different things. Now, that doesn't mean we, we will sometimes incentivize with money things that are outside of those household tasks, or allow them to take opportunities like Henry walks the neighbor's dog and gets paid for that. That's not considered one of his like chores. We do call them household tasks. And I'm a firm believer that every child at every age should be helping out. If you have little ones that are underfoot, they should be coming to the laundry room and helping you put the laundry in so that they see the work that mm. this takes. This includes mealtime. Everyone says like mealtime is so stressful, right? It is stressful getting stuff there. There's like setting the table, getting the food on there. There are a million small tasks involved in getting food on the table that kids can help with. And I just try to make it their responsibility. So one of our kind of tenants is that 
like nobody leaves the table without taking their own stuff. And it used to be the little one like would set it by the sink. Well, now the eight-year-old and the almost 10-year-old rinse and put in the dishwasher. And they're also responsible for Teddy's plate and perhaps even my plate and Jeff's plate, you know, that we've brought up there. And that includes helping put away the food. If there's any like scraping that needs to be done, all of those things. Again, I, it, when there's five of you in the house, if I have to do all of the dishes or Jeff has to do all of the dishes, plus all the food put away, right? Like story time and bedtime now are too late or we're too right. tired. And those are the consequences that have kind of come is like, well, I can't come upstairs and stand with you while you brush your teeth, which is your preference, right? Because, um, or sit in your room to read another story because I'm down here doing this that yep. we were all going to do. But if we all do it, And listen, the five-year-old, it's like he puts his stuff in the dishwasher. It almost always needs to be pulled out and rinsed again. We just do that because at some point Mm. he will rinse it properly. He's, he's each time it's getting a little bit better. Right. So sort of saying like, these are these household chores. Now I do try to assign chores based on Jamila, kind of what you said, like what are their strengths? Right. So I'm not going to ask Oliver who has ADHD to do a multi-step task without me holding his hand and walking him through it. He is the only kid whose laundry I still put away, but he stands with me while we do it. The other two are just much neater. And I can, if everything's folded, I can hand Teddy his pants and he walks up and he puts them in his pants drawer and I can hand him this. You know, my 10-year-old, I have just made him in charge of his clothes. I still do the laundry. They help um, put it in the washer or they'll change from wash to dry. They're capable of doing that if there's nothing in the dryer, right? If there's something in the dryer, they throw it all on the floor. So these are baby steps. <laughs> but um, I give him his clothes and if he chooses to stuff them all in his drawers, then then that is none of my business. If his stuff is wrinkly though and he's upset about that, that's mm-hmm. going to be his problem, not necessarily my problem. Because he dresses himself? Like he'll pick out his clothes and stuff? He uh-huh. dresses himself, yep. The other thing is like if he wants a shirt washed and I am not um, like I wasn't going to do a cycle of laundry, but he wants to wear that shirt tomorrow and discovers it's in the laundry, it would be his job to get one of us to assist him in loading up the washer. Like he can't run just that one shirt. We need to do a whole load. So kind of putting that on some of the kids, I think for your 11 year old, like I would really encourage you for the for ADHD kids or any that like to go do stuff like taking trash in and out of the house in which you bag it and they're taking it out to the whatever you're wheeling to the curb or wherever it goes right and bringing those back, Um, checking the mail if you have to go somewhere like these are great tasks that my ADHD kid loves to do. And because they're one step, like here's the key, go check the mail, come back. Those are really achievable because I think the key is giving them something that they can achieve at a level at which you're comfortable with. Jamila, you pointed this out, like you don't give your five-year-old to put away the food and then be mad when it's not put away properly, right? Right. They're they're not going to do it (laughs) the way you want it. The mopping is the same way. Like I personally like to do certain tasks, certain ways, I don't delegate those to the kids because I know I'm just going to come behind them and do it. But they can wipe down the table, right? And and that's fine. And if I have to give it one more wipe, it, it has saved me some mm-hmm. amount of time. So yeah. I just think looking around and, and deciding, like, what are the things they're capable of doing and finding some way, you know, to make that happen. I do think in this situation, like, do not give them 12 chores for the first time all right. at once. <laughs> like I would sit down and have a family discussion that like, listen, the the amount of time it's taking me to keep up this home is stopping me from doing other things with you. And we need to redistribute the work. I think 11 and 13 year old obviously know that it takes a lot of work. 
Um, they may have jobs they really want to do. Like Henry is chomping at the bit to be the person who mows the lawn. And we have sort of said like he's turning 10. We use an electric mower. Like we can teach him to use the, the mower on our small lawn. And maybe that's a job he can take over, right? Like you'll be amazed at the things they, they want to do. What about chore wheels and stuff? Is that still a thing? Yeah, they have all these chore charts and stuff. I just haven't found great success with having something posted because it seems very dynamic to me. And I also have this expectation that like, if I ask you to do a household chore, I just need you to do it whether or not it's on your on your wheel. Some people find them great. And I know what I've done for Oliver is make up for the complicated more step chores. I have made up little cards that kind of say like taking out the trash involves like one, removing the trash from the trash can because he gets very overwhelmed by this idea of like, well, the trash is in the trash can and it needs to go to the curb. Like, what do I do there? You know? Yeah. Are you using a chore wheel or anything, Jamila, with with Naima? Or you just ask her to do some stuff? And I just ask her to do stuff. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm still very much a servant in this house. But we did say, <laughs> mm-hmm. now you all have to hold me accountable. Because I said that nine was when that was going to change. So it's finally here now. Do you think there's anything to, like, gamifying chores? Has that Have you found success in doing that? Or is that wishful thinking? I think gamifying anything tends to help, you know, when some, yeah. when there's an element of play or fun or I can win something here, it, it becomes an easier pill for kids to swallow. Like Pippi Longstocking with her, like, brush skates yeah. on the floors exactly. and ceilings. That's Maybe not, I'll you know, the dusting with the mitt. I, I do think that's why starting early is good because little kids think anything is a game, right? Like, this is a tool that adults use. Now I get to use it. Like, that's super fun. Um, dusting baseboards is something I used to have the kids do all the time because they thought it was like amazing. Um, and you could like see the progress, you know, and now that they're not doing it, it's not getting done. (laughs) To make dusting baseboards seem fun is a parenting triumph if I've ever heard one. Absolutely. Well, chore chaos, we hope this helped. Please keep us posted on how it goes and what works for you. Everyone else, if you have a question for us, email us at slate.com. And that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday with some more conundrums and recommendations, so don't miss it. Also, if you rely on this show for parenting advice or for some company to keep you sane in this parenting journey, consider signing up for Slate Plus. Members will never hear another ad on our podcast or any other Slate podcast, and you'll get bonus content on this show and your other Slate favorites like Political Gap Fest, The Waves, and Slow Burn. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash mom and dad plus. Again, that's slate.com slash mom and dad plus. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Jamila Lemieux and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening.